We can either know God's truth and live by that truth and experience His blessing, or we can live life our way apart from God's design, and then we will experience the consequences of our sin. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. Our 2019 theme is making disciples as we help our community know God, become family, and impact the world. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. If you have your Bibles this morning, start turning to Romans chapter 1. This new year, we will kick off uh, going through the book of Romans verse by verse. Last week we picked up here, the title of this sermon series is Truth or Consequences. The Holy Spirit revealed through the Apostle Paul that we can either know God's truth and live by that truth and experience His blessing, or we can live life our way apart from God's design, and then we will experience the consequences of our sin. Now in this generation, uh, it's totally different than the generation of mom and dad and grandma and grandpa that are in the room. Uh, you have ways of connecting with people that we never had. You've got uh, all the technology, all the social media. It's a Snapchat generation. Not for your parents, not in my day. Uh, if we were going to reach out to somebody, we grew up in the day of secret admirers. Have you ever heard of this? Young people, let me, let me let you in. It's the coolest thing in the world. People you didn't know that liked you would write you a letter on this stuff called paper and they would take a pen and they would write these notes to you and they would secretly uh, slip it in your locker or a friend would bring it as a messenger and you would get this little note, this little letter and it would be from a secret admirer. Somebody who knew you and wanted to know you better but didn't have the guts to bring the goods. Well, here we have a letter from the Apostle Paul. They had never met Paul before. And he had a deep admiration and deep love for the Romans. And he sent this letter, written not by his own will, but by the will of God, delivered through Paul to the Romans. But look at verse 11. Let's dig in real quick. Let's start at verse 11. He says, it's for this reason I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, and that you may be established. That word established there in the Greek speaks of having a strong foundation, that firm in the, the faith that they had. And he's going to commend them in just a moment. We'll look at verse 8 and talk about their strong faith. But he says here in verse 11, it's more important that you be established in that faith. You see, you can be faithful, but if you're not established in that faith, the things of this life can rock your world, can rock your faith. And Paul was saying, I want to come to you and I want to help you grow and mature in the faith that God has given you. Jump back up to verse 8 real quick. He said, first of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith, which is being proclaimed throughout all the world. Here was a group of people that Paul was writing to who were extremely faithful. He says, you have a strong faith. But he also reminds in verse 11 that faith has got to be established, it's got to be strengthened, it's got to mature. These believers were living out a genuine faith and they were doing it in such an authentic way, in such a spirit-filled way that it says, look at the last part of verse 8, it was a faith that was being proclaimed throughout all the world. People were seeing a unique thing happening in this place called Rome. They saw these believers that were on fire for God, and God was alive in them, and everybody was talking about it. 
So much so that Paul, who had never met them, was hearing all these God stories that were coming out of Rome. He says, man, I can't wait to be among you and to live my faith with your faith. I wonder what people are talking about in Oklahoma City today. Are people talking about God alive in his church in Oklahoma City? Or are they more concerned about what's happening with the thunder and first round picks and the maps issues of how we're going to grow our city? Is there more talk happening about the physical realm of Oklahoma City? Or are there stories of faith that are being talked about and shared because God is alive in us? My prayer for 2020 is that they wouldn't talk about us, PCBC, or Christians in Oklahoma City, but that people would be amazed because there are those in Oklahoma City that are living by faith and walking that faith, and it's a contagious faith that other people want in their life as well. You see, your life, your spiritual journey, will be impacting people either good or bad. You don't have to turn here. It's on the screen, Matthew 12, 30 says this, he who is not with me is against me. And Jesus paints a picture of, of abiding in him and this relationship we can have with God. And it's that journey, it's that walk we have with God that he says, you're either for me, you're either with me, or you're against me. And those that are with him, those who are living out a genuine faith, it says, will gather other people to the kingdom. But then there are those who may show up at church, there are those who just live a casual life, there are those who may claim to be a Christian, but don't live a spiritual journey, and he says it's those people that scatter others from the kingdom. Every person in this room is genuinely making a difference in this world in which you live. The question is, are you gathering people to the kingdom, or are you scattering people from the kingdom? These believers in Rome were living out a life-impacting faith. And it was so real and it was so authentic and it was so life-changing that other people were talking about it throughout all of the world. They weren't just huddling up in Rome. They weren't just hanging out together because they knew they were hated by the people of Rome. No, they were living out their faith in the midst of the city in which they live. And that is the challenge that we have as believers right here in northwest Oklahoma City of living out that faith, of being an Acts 1-8 church, that we are a people that are on a spiritual journey with God and that we are making a difference in our Jerusalem, which would be the shadow of our steeple, our neighborhood, in our Judea, which is Oklahoma City, the metroplex, a, a huge opportunity. That we're also living out a faith that not just impacts our neighborhood and our city, but a faith that impacts even our nation and a faith that impacts the world. Very end of this service, we'll be praying over a team, another team going back to Zambia again. And I'm grateful that we are a mission-minded people. But I pray that we don't get so focused that missions are something that happens overseas and forget that mission happens every day where you and I live. You see, somehow along the way, the enemy has lulled us to sleep. He has sent us overseas and we've forgotten about the world in which we live. In Oklahoma City alone, there are over 160 Southern Baptist churches. That's just one little denomination. That's just one group of believers. Over 160 churches in one city, just Southern Baptists. Start tagging on all the other denominations and all the other church buildings. And, and man, we have a city full of churches 
but not a city that's talking about the faith that's alive in these churches. May we be different. And may we be like the days of the Apostle Paul, that people would see God alive in us. Drop down to verse 9. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. You see, there are churches that are dying and plateaued. There are dying churches where people just go to church, but there are faithful churches that are going churches. And Paul talks about that. Look at verse 9. It says, For God whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. Even though the Apostle Paul had never met his brothers and sisters in Christ there in Rome, he still had a love for them. He still had a passion for them, and he prayed for them often. In a church our size and with two venues, one at 945 and one at 1105, it's easy for us to just be a group of people but not realize the brotherhood and the sisterhood that we have in Christ. I hope that, uh, I hope that you'll take on this mantle that Paul had and and that he shared that I'm praying for you. Even though he didn't know their face and didn't know their name, we're still praying for him. I hope you'll pray for each other. I hope you'll pray for this service. I hope you'll pray for those who are in the service before you. And that we as one people will live a journey of faith in our city that makes a difference. It's pretty encouraging. We have a great prayer team that meets every Sunday night. They have met every Sunday night as long as I can remember here at PCBC. And they inspired our church to take on that mantle as well and to spread that prayer ministry. And now our deacons have embraced that. Every day of the week, every day of every year now, there's a deacon praying daily for you. They may not know your name. They may not be praying for you by name, but they're praying for you, PCBC. On the weekends, they'll gather with their Sunday school class that they represent, and there will be a group of people in this very sanctuary, either on Friday or Saturday, and they're doing what the Apostle Paul did. They pray for you. They pray for what we experience in here as we gather together weekly. They pray for us to be an impacting church in all of Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I hope that you will carry that same passion for prayer that Paul had and that's growing in your church. Verse 11. For I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by each other's faith. Paul said, man, I can't wait. I've heard about your faith, and I can't wait until my faith marries up with your faith, that we get to hang out together and that we get to live our faith serving God together. Do you have that same zeal? Do you have that same, or are you just showing up and just being a person sitting in a chair at PCBC. Now we come together as the family of God, not just to do church on Sundays, but to come together and grow in faith and live out our faith in the city and beyond wherever God takes us. We should be like iron sharpening iron. Paul said, man, I desire that, and I desire to encourage you in your faith as you encourage me in my faith. Verse 13. So I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you, a harvest among you, as just I have with the rest of the Gentiles. As you look in on verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, man, there have been a lot of times I've wanted to come and serve God with you. There have been times that, man, I said, God, 
I'd love to go serve and live my faith out with those in Rome. And I'd love to be a part of the harvest that's happening among them as they live out their faith. And he said, but I was prevented from doing so. What was he speaking of? What was this thing that prevented him from getting into Rome? Well, some people would think, well, that's obviously our adversary, the devil. Uh, the one who tries to thwart God's work in our life. And this had to be a big spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. And that is true sometimes. There are times that the enemy will seek to rob us of an assignment that God has for us. But we know that the gates of hell will never prevail against the gospel. But that wasn't the reason here. You don't have to turn there, but listen in. At the very end of this book, at the end of Romans chapter 15, he gives the reason. He tells them why he was prevented from coming to them earlier. Listen in. It's in verses 20 through 22. He said, I aspired to preach the gospel. You're going to hear this over and over and over again with the Apostle Paul, this guy who'd been changed from being a religious dude who just wanted to grow Judaism to becoming a guy who just wanted to share the good news of the gospel. It's throughout this whole book. And we get to the end of the book and he said, I aspired to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, so that I wouldn't build on another man's foundation. For just as written... They who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. For this reason, I have often been prevented from coming to you. Apostle Paul said there were times that I wanted to come to Rome, and, and I wanted to share the gospel. I wanted to be a part of what God was doing among you. And oh, by the way, if we were signing up for mission trips today, and we gave you an option of going to Rome or Enid, Oklahoma, what, where, where are you going? What are you picking? Who doesn't want to go to Rome, huh? Who wouldn't, like Paul, want to go take a mission trip and hang out in Rome, especially in that day? That's where everything was happening. That was the, the New York City of the world. It was where all the commerce and all the thinkers and all the, all the life was happening on planet Earth was in Rome. And Paul wanted to go there, but he wouldn't go. You know why he didn't go? It wasn't because Satan was keeping him from going. It's because his life purpose was keeping him from going. He said, every day I woke up, there was only one thing that drove me. Not where I wanted to go, and not that I wanted to be part of something exciting, but I was determined to go to people who had never heard the gospel. Boy, that passion is missing. Sometimes it's missing in my life, and, and it's certainly sometimes missing in our lives. Would you agree? But let's don't forget, you don't have to go to Rome, and you don't have to go to Zambia, to find those who've never heard the gospel. Those of us who are doing whiz kids on Monday with children from Wiley Post learned through the Christmas season that right here in the shadow of our steeple, right here in the buckle of the Bible belt, there's a host of families who've never heard the gospel. As we were sharing the Christmas story, as we're teaching them to read, we'll use the Bible often, and we got to use the Christmas story this year, and as we would read to the children I would say probably the majority, the majority of those children didn't know the Christmas story, didn't know anything about Bethlehem, were really messed up when we talked about a manger, and didn't know that Jesus was God who was born into this world to take away our sins, right here in our own city. And every day that Paul woke up, he was driven by that purpose of my goal, my life's purpose is to share with those who've never heard 
the gospel. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be happening today. It doesn't seem to be getting out like it was in Paul's day. So look at verse 14 now, back in Romans 14. He says, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Barbarians were those who were not from the Greek world. Uh, They had a different language. They had a different culture, and they looked barbaric. Uh, They were different from the Greeks. And he's basically saying, I had an obligation, a life debt to pay to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, to the wise and I guess people like us, the foolish. He said, whoever it is, I have a passion for all people in all places. Verse 15. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. He said, now I've been to these other places and these other places have kept me from coming to you, but I still have the same passion to preach the gospel where you live as well. And I wonder today, do we still have that same passion? I mean, this guy has to be crazy. Where has preaching the gospel gotten the Apostle Paul? Well, from the time he was transformed from Saul of Tarsus to the Apostle Paul, he has been imprisoned in Philippi. He has been chased out of Thessalonica. He has been smuggled from Berea to save his life. He has been laughed at and laughed out of Athens. He was seen as a fool in Corinth. He was ridiculed in Jerusalem and stoned almost to the point of death, preaching the gospel in Galatia. And he wakes up every day and says, but I still got this passion. They can't drive it out of me. They can't knock it out of me. I want to preach the gospel, even there in Rome. How many of us woke up today with that same drive and that same passion? How many of us got up and said, man, I can't wait to get to school tomorrow? How about that one, guys? I can't wait to get to school tomorrow. You know why? Not because i got to get ready for a quiz or a test or got to process middle school or high school. I get to go to the mission field. I mean, guys, there's some good stuff going on in our schools right now. First Priority Clubs, Putnam City Original, Putnam City North, and other places. The gospel is starting to spread like a wildfire again in our, in our schools. Isn't that cool? And guys, we ought to get excited whether it's getting up and going to school, getting up and going to work, going and hanging out with a cranky neighbor or whoever we got to deal with in this world. That is your opportunity to share the gospel. And man, I'm thankful we get to go to New York City. I'm glad we go to Zambia. I'm glad that we go to Haiti. I'm glad that we go to these other places. But I'm more thrilled every day that we get a chance to make a difference right here where we live. Do you have that passion? Do you have that same eagerness? Listen to 1 Corinthians 9.16. It's on the screen. Paul would say it over here in in this letter to the Corinthians. He said, For I preach the gospel, and I have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me. He said, Man, shame on me if I'm not preaching the gospel. Do we have that same eagerness? Do we have that same passion and compulsion? He says, I'm under compulsion. That word compulsion speaks of an energy that drives us. He says, I have that eagerness to preach the gospel. I wonder how many people in Oklahoma City came to know Jesus this week because of Putnam City Baptist Church. Those of us who gather together as one people under a vision and I just wonder, let's just, what I was going to do when you walked in today is have everybody fill out a, a communication card anonymously. And you would either put on there, I can't know Christ because somebody shared Jesus with me this week, or you shared how many times you shared Jesus with somebody this week. Didn't get it done. Isn't going to happen, but let's just do it this way. 
If you came to know Jesus Christ this week because somebody in this room shared Jesus with you, would you stand up? Hang on, I'm waiting. Take, take your time. Somebody, anybody. You came to know Christ because somebody in this room shared Jesus with you. Somebody ought to pop up. I'm waiting. Anybody? How about this? What if I had you stand up because you got an opportunity? This isn't to show off and say, I'm more spiritual than everybody else in the room. I shared Jesus multiple times this week. But if you got a chance to share Jesus with somebody this week like Paul, and you took the gospel into somebody's life this week, and I had you stand up, would anybody stand? You say, well, I don't want to make other people look bad. Thank you. That's awesome. You put it down. First Priority Club. Amen. Awesome. Now, I don't say that to beat us up, but I do say that to wake us up. One of the things we're doing as a staff every week now when we show up in staff meeting, one of the questions to ask is, who did you get to share your faith with this week? We all need that accountability. Even your pastoral staff needs that same accountability. And the crazy thing about it is, they didn't necessarily need accountability in their day. They just lived it. They had a faith that was being proclaimed in all the world. And listen to what it sounded like. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. Day by day, this is in Paul's day. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house, taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You couldn't show up with a group of believers in Paul's day that somebody didn't stand up and say, I want to thank him or I want to thank her. They shared Christ with me this weekend. I'm now a brother. I'm now a sister in Christ. And they would all celebrate every single day. Why is that not happening in our day? Why is that not happening on our watch? Could it be that we've lost our compulsion? Could it be that we've lost our eagerness? That we are happy to receive the grace of God and the gift of God, but we're not sharing the gift of God? It gets quiet, doesn't it? Listen in. Listen to it. It's called conviction. Listen to it. And go to verse 16. You see, daily people were being saved because the gospel was being lived out and it was being given out. And there are people who say, well, that was a different day and a different time. We live in a day now where people just don't want to hear the gospel anymore. Do you think they wanted to hear it in Rome? Do you think they wanted to hear it where Paul was going? No. But they lived it and they preached it and lives were being changed. Verse 16. So Paul would say this, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We look in on verse 16, a famous verse. We clue on the first phrase, I'm not ashamed. That word ashamed could mean a lack of courage. In this case, it's speaking of the issue of boldness. It would be David's prayer, and he would pray it many times throughout the book of Psalms. Lord, be my refuge from my enemies. Let me not be ashamed. In other words, he said, my confidence is in you, the one true God. My boldness comes from you, God. And may I proclaim it in all the earth. This word here, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. 
Now, that word for power in the Greek is not speaking of authority. Those who have power over us, our government officials, uh, different authority levels, your parents who have power or authority over you, that's a different Greek word. This Greek word here is one you've heard me talk about before. It's dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. It speaks of an explosive power. Best way I can picture it for you is in this picture here. Take a look on the screen. Uh, I wish it showed up a little bit better. That is a brilliant bright red. It just doesn't look that way through our projector. Uh, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. looks a little mutated. It looks like a messed up strawberry, doesn't it? It uh, looks like somebody got to a strawberry halfway through its growth process. That is, and this is for Weaver if he's out there, a Carolina Reaper. Anybody heard of a Carolina Reaper? You on it? You know this thing? The Carolina Reaper has been, uh, now if you were to taste this, the Carolina Reaper, as you bite into that juicy, strawberry-looking piece of fruit, you would discover something quite different. Dunamis. There is an explosive power that comes from this, the hottest pepper on the planet. What looks like a strawberry, what looks innocent, what looks luscious and delicious is full of power. 200 times hotter than a jalapeno pepper. The gospel. When they were preaching, when Paul was preaching the gospel... There were people that looked at it like a strawberry. Oh, that's just some little sissy food for sissies who just need a fairy tale to live by. It, it looked like the foolishness of a new religion. And Paul said, God has chosen to use the foolish and what looks to be foolish things to confound the wise. But let me tell you, don't be deceived. There is power. Not in the preacher, not in the apostle Paul. The power was found in the gospel. It is the gospel that changes our lives. 1 Corinthians 1.17, Paul said, For Christ did not send me to just baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not in the cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would be made void. Sadly today, we live in a generation that wants their ears tickled and their eyes to be appealed to. They want uh, to be entertained, and they want clever sermons, and sorry you didn't get it here. But like the Apostle Paul, I will not try to persuade you with cute little sermons and cute little phraseologies, but let the Word of God speak for itself. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it penetrates our heart, bringing conviction and salvation. And I remember when I didn't get it, and when I was all confused about how to be right with God, and I remember it was as I started going to church, you've heard me tell it many times before, and as I would show up and I would hear this gospel being preached, it sounded too good to be true. It, it sounded foolish. I mean, are you telling me that this messed up life can be transformed, not by joining a church, not by giving to the church? Not by quitting this and quitting that and doing this and doing that, but I just have to receive a gift? It's that simple? Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that a holy God loves an unholy guy like me? It made no sense. And I wrestled with it and I fought with it. And I thought, you know, it's just a fairy tale. It's got cute stories. Love David and the giant. Cool story. 
Love a big old fish. Who doesn't love fish stories, right? Dig it, man. Good stories in the Bible. But what does that have to do with my life? As the gospel was being preached, man, it was penetrating my hard heart and my empty life. And then because there was a church in my city and a people who gathered together known as Emmanuel Baptist Church, who had a radical passion, who wanted to preach the gospel wherever they could preach it, even in a public school. So they brought in an evangelist by the name of Jay Strack. They rented out the Coliseum of our city, Convention Hall, where we had played basketball throughout my whole senior year, or throughout my whole high school years. And it was in that very place where the gospel was preached to me, my classmates, and much of our city. That it was there in that moment that I understood for the first time the gospel and was saved. It changed my life forever. And would have never happened if there weren't a group of people that were passionate about their city and about their purpose. Who didn't wake up and say, we will do whatever it takes to get the gospel in the lives of people around us. Today, now, I get to preach that very same gospel that I received because of a ministry of a church that was not ashamed of the gospel. And folks, I pray in 2020 we will be that kind of church. Not a building at 114th and Rockwell. Not a group of people that meet at 945 and 1105. But brothers and sisters in Christ that come together, that are iron sharpening iron in their faith, that live out that faith and that it gets proclaimed throughout all the world. And that daily, day after day, people come to know the Jesus that changed us. Because we've told them and we've shown them. Let's pray about it. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We're getting through chapter 1. Are you with me? And you'll see in chapter 1, chapter 2, all the way to chapter 15, the driving force of this letter from God through Paul to these folks and to your life and mine is the gospel, the good news, that you can be saved and that God does love you and that you have to respond one way or another. Will you receive that gift or will you reject it? Will you go on your own terms or will you see what God has said and believe not in your head but in your heart? That's never happened for you. Today, the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not a year from now, not after you graduate from high school, not when you start having a family and settle down. No, today is the day of salvation. If you don't know the Lord... I didn't say you know about the Lord. I said know Him. If you don't know Him personally, right now, that can change. It needs to change. And right now, the gospel is exploding in your heart, just like it did that night, October 18th, 1981, in my heart. And that's happening for somebody here, either in this room or online. Receive Him. Say, God, thank you for dying for my sin. And God, I'm not worthy, but I receive you into my heart. I receive the gift of eternal life. God, save me. And he will. He did it for the Apostle Paul. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. If that's you right now, say, God, I receive you into my life. We're going to stand in a moment. Our ministers will be here at the front. Come to one of them and say, today I prayed and received Christ. Just like you saw through baptism today. 
the understanding that we have to die to our sin and be raised to be a new person. The only way that happens is because Christ died for our sin. And Christ rose from the dead. And that Jesus wants to live in you. Would you trust him with your heart, with your life, with your eternity? Receive him. There are many in this room, you know Christ. But you wake up each day, we wake up each day, and we have other things on our agenda than the gospel. We're eager to go do lots of stuff. Everything but share the gospel in our world. May God break our hearts and change our paths starting today. There are many we need to fall on our face. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for receiving a gift but not sharing that gift with my world. God, forgive me. If that's you, just make your chair an altar, man. Pray right where you are. If you want to come up here and pray at the front, pray with others, you can do that as well. Maybe you need a place like Paul who said, I can't wait to be with you guys and your faith impact my faith and my faith impact yours. That's called fellowship. That's called being with the church. Maybe you need a church family in this new year. You ought to come to one of our ministers and say, man, this is where God's leading us. This needs to be our church family. We want to plug in here at PCBC. We'd love to receive you as members. If there's another need, you can come as well. If our staff would make their way to the front, let me pray for you. After I say amen, we'll stand together. Alex will sing. You do the rest, whatever God tells you to do. Father God, in Jesus' name, may your dunamis, your power, shake this place and shake each and every heart. Whether that's conviction of sin, conviction of a need for salvation, conviction for fellowship, whatever it might be, Spirit of God, lead during this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv slash podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.